Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to my favorite murder of the Guardians of the Globe. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What? I'm Pete. And just kidding. This is actually the final episode of season one of Podvincible, a podcast all about Invincible on Prime Video. The episode is called Where I Really Come From, and it is wrapping up. Season one, big time. Now, as usual, if you haven't watched the episode already, go watch it because we're going to get pretty much right into spoilers. But first, to give you a little bit of a buffer zone, let's talk about this because this is uh, exciting news that came out the day before technically the finale came out is the show's already been greenlit for seasons two and three. That's pretty cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Two and three. Like that means Mm -hmm. they can really like tell some longer stories in season two. And keep them going. That's very exciting. This also feels like a very typical thing for animated shows. Obviously, Invincible is a hit. That's why they want to have it back. That's great news. But uh, particularly with the production schedule of animation and the cast here, I imagine part of the thought process is, hey, we could bang these out back to back, release them one year, then the next year. So we have enough lead time to do it. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or input on that in particular. On the making of animation? Yeah, yeah, What yeah. they do is they paint these clear pieces of paper uh, uh, with we'll little funny, huh? No, and then they move, uh, the images uh, move. Uh, if you flip, it's like a flip book. Justin, uh, Alex was asking you because you work in production. You know, as a line producer, you oh, know how oh, things oh, oh. work. So we were hoping for a little insight about how television is made. Yeah, you're out uh, in Denver right now shooting an animation, right? That's right. It's confusing because it's hard to find the find the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Casting a cartoon is hard because you need mm-hmm. to find them. Got to go to Toontown, which oh, is a weird that's place. Scary. That's yeah. a scary place. Pete, you still have those squeaky shoes, by the way, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in case anybody ever needs a background extra who yeah. needs love. Every time Pete and I have this fun bit, every time I go over his house, I'm like, hey, I got a bunch of dip to put your squeaky shoes in. And he's like, no, don't, not the dip, not the dip. And I'm like, ah, just kidding. I don't have any dip. <laughs> <laughs> sort of no uh, dip. right out at the wow. end there on that bit. Wow. Wow. Dig deep. If amazing. anyone knows what we're talking about, good on <laughs> yeah. If not, Google out of Toontown? I don't even know where the entry. <laughs> I don't even know where, where the start. entry point is. Yeah. I, don't um, I don't know what happened. I, I mean, Google Christopher Lloyd, and it'll get you there oh, eventually. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the top. Oh, uh, bad tip. The, the, the top hit of Christopher Lloyd is eyeballs jumping out of his head. Dip. <laughs> I thought um, you were like saying like you you would bring a, like cream cheese or something to dip. Of course, the, natu- the obvious dip sure. is cream cheese. The most yes. normal dip, would you would say. When I'm saying like I want to dip my chip in something, cream cheese is the first thing to come to mind. We're all normal people doing a normal podcast, is what I'm saying. There you go. That's uh, probably enough spoiler time to get into Invincible no, and talk no. about yeah. that, Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, that's we were vamping. Doing. That was uh, on purpose. Sure. <laughs> yes. no, no. We had written in our uh, breakdown for the episode, yeah. uh, talk <laughs> absolute nonsense for four minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, to your point about the animation schedule, yeah. yes, it does take longer to animate, so it does make a lot of sense uh, to greenlight green two seasons at once for a show that they are pretty confident it will be a success and was a great success. And then getting all the uh, VO talent together is also very difficult because these are big celebrities and they're busy in a million different ways. So it's going to take some time to do that, but I do think they're going to want to make this happen as fast as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the boys already shooting, I think, season three, and they're already starting to work on the spinoff as well. Amazon is clearly trying to buff up the comic book superhero side of the production as much as possible. So, yeah, to your point, it takes a while to animate these things, but I would not be surprised if we see Invincible season two next year at some point. I agree. And also, of all the animated shows, this one, the style of it is a little easier. Like, there's not as much... And I, I'm out of my depth talking about this, but there's not as like big rendered uh, backgrounds mm-hmm. or anything. It does feel like it is sort of more on the simple side of animation. Ooh, yeah, I mean, and once you have that stuff that. set, you have the character set, you have the background set. At least there's a little bit of an easier lift there once they're all loaded up and locked and ready to go. But as we saw and as we'll get to when we talk about the end of the episode, there's a lot of different places and big places that Invincible Season 2 and potentially 3 are going to go. So we'll get there when we get there. To give you the broad overview of this episode, though, relatively straightforward in terms of the plot, though not the way that it's executed, where we're picking up on the end of the last episode, Omni-Man is revealed to well, be something other than what he said he was. He is covered in the blood of the immortal. Mark has seen him kill the immortal, and they have that conversation kind of uh, over the course of this episode as Omni-Man reveals himself not to be a benevolent superhero, but actually an alien conqueror from Viltrum. He wants Mark to join him. Mark is not super into the idea of subjugating his friends and family, and they get into an enormous knockdown dragout fight in the most graphic way possible as Omni-Man tries to show Mark how fragile and unimportant humans are. Ultimately, Mark does appeal to Omni-Man's humanity, I guess we can call it that. I mean, it doesn't have any. Viltrumanity? I think his love for baseball is what he tapped into. Yes. Yes. He tapped into the national pastime. Exactly. Yeah. He was was like, I hate humans, but, you know, it was fun to watch my uh, son hit hit one out of the park, you know? That's Mm -hmm. right. Take me out to the ballgame. And at the end, in the last quarter of the episode, last third of the episode, we're getting a bunch of wrap-up and a bunch of teases for what's coming down the pike as everybody deals with the emotional fallout of what happened in the episode. Uh, but of course, the big thing here was the Omni-Man, Mark, knockdown, dragout fight. It, this is not directly for the comic books. There's issue 12, and then I think it's 12 yeah. is the one with this fight, right? Or is 12 ends with we need to talk and then 13 is the fight? Either I way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I should have looked this up I beforehand. Think, I think so, yeah. It, yeah it kept, either way, this is like year. 12 to 13, and this is pretty much the most iconic event in the comic book series' entire run. This is the thing that everybody talks about, the big twist. It's been kind of amazing Honestly, to see people who have not read the comic book reacting to this, yeah. stunned and shocked, which means the TV show did its job exactly right. Yeah, and especially the way that they handled, uh, showed Omni-Man's lack of uh, care for humanity was just so hard to watch. And really showed the difference between comics and, and seeing it play out like it was 
brutal, vicious, just and like he he horrifying. really turned it up. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, they really. I mean, that whole subway sequence sequence was just yeah. so brutal. Um, and, yeah, well, and, and not to interrupt your thought process, Pete, but just to mention for anybody who hasn't read the comic books, basically what happens in the book is it is this enormous earth-shaking fight between Mark and Nolan. The scene on the mountain is pretty much the same. They certainly fight through some cities, but you don't see any of the fallout, and there's nothing about Nolan straight-up killing people. In this episode, we see him kill the pilot in front of Mark. We see him knock down the building, and he's not able to save people. And then there's that absolutely gruesome subway thing you're talking about. Those are all original for the series. And what, what's so devastating about it is it's all these action movie tropes that we're used to uh, of like, oh, a big fight and there's all these disaster things and the hero comes in and saves a couple people. We don't see a lot of death on screen, but it just flipped. Instead, we're seeing everyone die. The hero can do nothing and the villain is just devastating everything. Yeah, that whole like him being punched and like in the street and like rolling and like all the chaos and people that kills was just so and then like the shot of him like holding that lady's just arm oh I he mean, saved the arm he did save her arm so yeah good work they could bring her back for season yeah. two or give that <laughs> donate that arm I, to another person who needs it <laughs> i don't i think you're over the here line you go. On that one. i'm always <laughs> bringing arm. my extra arms and throwing them to the donation box at goodwill uh <laughs> so many extra arms and also the way that like mark is like struggling with it, like oh, there must somebody must be controlling you. Let my dad free. Like that moment was so amazing to see, like as an animation versus like still and like then the whole part where he talks about like love and how he loves the mom, like someone would love their dog or puppy. I was like, oh yeah. my god! You like were like, pet. oh my god, this is great. I own a cat, so I know exactly how Omni Man is feeling right now. Yeah, in your household, Pete, your girlfriend and your cat are given sort of the same level same. of prominence. Right? <laughs> That's everyone's equal in your eyes. <laughs> the That line is right out of the comic book. The yeah. I see her as more of a pet. But to your point, Justin, I think part of it is that we've seen Omni-Man play out entirely differently over the course of the season than we do in the comic books. In the comics – by the very nature of him kind of being there and flat and you hearing whatever voice you're going to hear in your head, there's a lot of fill-in you need to do with Omni-Man. Here, we've heard J.K. Simmons, the reveal that something is off about him happens much earlier in the show than it did in the comic book. So we've had a lot of time to live with not just his malevolence, but also the idea that we're kind of sympathetic to him sometimes. And maybe even though he's probably a bad guy, maybe he does feel something for Debbie. Maybe he does feel something for Mark, which makes this episode so much harder to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But it also, despite how crazy it is, it feels like it is maybe closer to what a superhero reality would be. Mm -hmm. Like we're getting away from sort of that, like, Oh, the superhero saved a building and no one died thing. Instead, it's like the very real thing of like, if a conqueror came to earth, he or she would not care about anybody. There would be ants to them. And then we get to see the repercussions of that. Well, and it leads up to this line that is straight from the comic book as well, where Mark is, uh, Nolan is wailing on Mark and saying, what do you care? What's going to be left in 500 years? What are you going to have from 500 years? And he says, you dad. And that's the thing that gets through. And they nailed that moment. Absolutely. Such a well done. And you see when when Nolan knocks Mark's teeth out, 
you're that's when you're like, oh, he's not invincible. This is not going to turn around uh, for him in a fight sense. And then when he it turns around on a purely emotional level, and even that just seeing that scene after seeing so much devastation and the the baseball scene, I thought was really well done because it it confuses our emotional status, and we're like. We're in Nolan's head for a second there in a gut positive way where he really does look at his son as a person. And then it flashes back to him almost killing him. And he sees him as a person there, too. And it was just really well done. I also am am really impressed how, like, the show is different enough that even though I've read the comic, I'm not like, oh, here comes this part. I'm still like, (laughs) oh, shit, this is crazy, you know. And but it still feels like the comic, so I that's it's impressive how it's it's its own thing and also the comic at the same time. The other thing that we should probably talk about here, and this gets to a little bit of what both of you are saying, but Omni Man in my mind is still irredeemable. We get into his head, he we understand him clearly. There's an emotional appeal. We get that great shot as he's flying away from Earth, and the tear is coming off of his face and freezing in space. Again, straight and raining com- down and yeah. raining down and maybe like someone could catch it. Yeah. Maybe or that like, lady's arm could catch it. Yeah. Rain is just, just out Nolan's, the arm. Rain is just Nolan's tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still beat the shit out of his son, you know, so he's not a character, I think, at the same time that you should necessarily be feeling for or be like, oh, you'll get better at some point. You know, uh, do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. The guy's dead to me. Um, Yeah, it's hard to come back from that Just as a character Um, But also, it does seem like Mark still You know, cares The Mm -hmm. way we see afterwards Like he's emotionally wrecked Sound like he's like, yeah, that guy's bad He's like still in the middle on it And to be fair, he grew most of his teeth back It seems like as well Yeah Exactly. He didn't pay uh, a dental. He didn't pay a dental price. But uh, speaking happened. of uh, bloody messes, the the title card bit. I mean, uh, glorious and fun. Um, do you think at the start of season two, it's going to be clean slate? Like it'll start, and each episode will get bloodier again, or, or? a bunch of band aids on it. Oh mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. There you go. A couple of arms thrown on there. Oh, we got to <laughs> stop with this arm bit. I think yeah. they got to clean it up a little bit. Start over with a, f- a fresh. Yeah. I Hashtag arm army. No, no, no. <laughs> My favorite character of the episode? I guess the arm. <laughs> oh, or at least one of the fingers. Oh, come on, man. Uh, so the other thing that's going on while this is happening, again, original for the show, is we're following the Guardians of the Globe and what's going on with them. Uh, this whole plot line I thought was really interesting thrown in the middle here because we could have had razor focus on Omni-Man and Mark of this episode like we did in the comics. But it's broken up by this plot arc here that ultimately ends with Rex stepping up. Uh, cleaning the blood off the wall, Black Samson being like, we're not ready yet. Everybody stepping up and Black Samson being like, you kids are okay. Yeah, <laughs> what sort of a weird turnaround there. Mm-hmm. The kids step but up and are like, get out of here, dude. And he's like, I think you guys are all right. No, but I think it it, it does like a, accomplish the fact that like they're finally acting like a team. And I think that's what he was trying to do there. It did seem a little weird, but... Uh, I did like that uh, moment, and it was fun that it was Manzukas who was doing it, you know, because he seems like not the guy. But I'm glad they're they're also showing the other side of uh, this character as well. 
Um, it's great. I mean, my leadership style is the same way. Like, get everyone to unite against you, and then jump immediately on board with them. Well, <laughs> but what about the uh, dumping out all the milk and putting in booze? Like, is that part of your leadership style? Because it should be. I, my thing with the dumping out the milk is you're never going to get the milk out of the milk mm-hmm. carton. You know, and a milky beer is not what, both, not what you want. They're both eventually fermented, though. It's basically the same thing. Cheese so and beer. Use, like, and uh, cheese and beer go well together. Do you use, like, mm-hmm. big oil uh, cans? Like, what do you empty out and put your booze in then? Oil can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Campbell's uh, a Progresso uh, New England clam chowder cans. Oh my God. That's how I store my alcohol. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Poor that, man. Wait, I've Shake lost it up track of it. That's where you store your oil or that's where you store your, your beer? Uh, what are we talking al- about? Alcohol. 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 I store my oil Cause in pickle of jars. and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> yeah, basically and I, I bring my... everything home from the supermarket <laughs> and then switch it all around. Yeah, exactly. And my pickle juice in my wine <laughs> box. <laughs> I like the plot line. Uh, like you were saying, Pete, I think the Rexplode arc is somebody who is irredeemable. I think part of that is because Jason Manzoukas is very charming, so that probably helps quite a bit. But I liked him going up and wiping off the blood at the end. I like the choice to have them say, no, we can't take on Omni-Man. We can't be part of this fight. We'll get killed, but we're going to try to help as many people as possible. I thought that was great and said a really nice thing about heroism and the way that they're going to work going forward. Um, and it threw me a lot that, though this makes sense, that Ross Marcand is doing Rudy, I guess we're calling him, Robot Rudy's voice now instead of Zachary Quinto. But I'll roll with it. It's all good. Yeah, it is a little. And technically, Rudy will grow up to be Manzoukas. There you go. Right. And, and someday Ross Marcand will also grow up to be Jason Manzoukas. Yep. That's uh, the precedent we're setting. Keep your <laughs> eyes on those people. So let's talk about Debbie a bit, because she goes through the emotional ringer this episode, both watching everything that's going down, dealing with the revelations about her husband, watching and seeing what happens to her son. Uh, And then by the end, she's in a pretty bad place. What did you think about her in this hour? I mean, super hard to watch her watch Nolan. Uh, And, you know, she's with Cecil and sort of like, Cecil's the person that she can trust in this in this episode, and he's not super trustworthy, I feel like. So it, it just you feel a little anxiety or stress watching Debbie do everything. Yeah, and but you know that she's in far, pain. As people know, Cecil is trustworthy. I mean, it seems like Cecil's doing all the right things for this family. No, but he's a little he does in this episode, but he's he's suspicious, he to me. Like he, I mean we Why? know because he's got a scar in his face? What? Uh, no, anyone with Why a scar he... has been up to I something. I think no, slightly, my, my suspicions are raised when he has a, a cyborg factory. Or a room that nobody can see. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's some, um, the cyborg taking, uh, uh, what's his name, and, bring, and bringing the cyborg army into his, uh, into the government, and then comfortably where we land here, he's like, cyborg army with, like, really aggressive grimaces on their faces yeah mm-hmm. which is like fit, make the faces a little nicer if you want to make nice soldiers that's yeah. what i'm saying he's up to no good he's making mean looking cyborgs here's the thing and i i don't want to cause any controversy here but when i see a cyborg walking on the street with a frown like that i'm like come on give me a little smile yeah, cyborg smile. Oh, come on be happy you got those cyborg oh, legs. Oh, it's summer. Stop it. This is not a funny bit <laughs> wow. no it's a terrible bit. Awful. Yeah. i feel awful right now you should you should. 
Uh, so, and where Debbie ends up, like it was interesting. We see a lot of uh, suit guy in the, the sort of the epilogue of this episode. And then Debbie and suit guy hanging out. Cause they're the only ones that really went through this in the same way. Um, and then obviously her like being so upset with in, at home with Mark, it's just, you know, it's not a fun arc at all for Debbie. Yeah, and I mean, I think we could talk about this a little bit. This is not too much of a spoiler, but the place that she ends up in for a good chunk of the comic going forward is very bad. It just gets worse and worse as it goes. So it's not going to be fun to watch, but I do think it's going to be some really good dramatic stuff for Sandra Oh that I'm really interested Excited is probably the wrong word, but interested to see going forward. Well, and to that point, I do think that I'm hoping they'll change it a little bit and give her some more bright spots because she's mm, been yeah. such a, a larger and better character in the animated show. So hopefully they'll extend that. Uh, so I thought just- it was cool that she went back to the uh, tailor there and, and hung out a little bit. His name is Suit Guy. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. I think it's art, but I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Art? That sounds fake. Yeah, it does. But do you think there's romance a bloom in there? Come on, man. Her husband just turned out to be a real fucking douchebag, and she's dealing with a lot. Don't push her into another relationship. Yeah, every time I'm sad, I have sex with my dry cleaner. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is... You better that, you're, that's really a, well. your therapy. Mm-hmm. Your therapist told you to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's that's part a of common life. common prescription when it comes to feeling. <laughs> Remind better. me okay. to never go to the same place that you go to. I'm just dropping off four shirts, and, <laughs> oh my God. and I'm feeling uh, uh, a little anxious it. today. Stop. Oh, I stubbed uh, my toe. I got to go to the dry cleaners real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other things that we get flashes of, Pete, curious to get your take on this because of the whole romance angle of things. But by the end of the episode, Amber and Mark are back together. That was tough because it was the second doorbell. Eve was so close to being the first one into Mark's arms, but Amber beat her there. That was a, a tough sequence so of doorbells. Uh, Meave shipper, hashtag Meave. Mm. Uh, well, I, I very much like uh, Amber's different, and I like her in this series a lot. I'm not uh, shipping against it, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know. It was, it was That's so the close. thing with ships, though, Pete. You got to sort of choose one. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can't ride sure. on two ships. Hashtag Meave or hashtag member. You know, I want Amber. I want, <laughs> I want Mark to be happy. You know, that's that's what I care about. You know, I think that. Uh, very nice. Choose a ship, Pete. The boat's sinking. Choose a ship. Amberk or me? <laughs> I don't like the Amberk, but I do like Amber and him. Oh, what, you want the man he always needs to come first? What? Is that what you're saying? The man always needs to come first in the ship name? No. What are you, what are you doing to me? Amberk. Yeah, but I, the Burke part is is weird. I feel oh, like Ambark. I, I, got I ship Ambeve. I think they should get together. There you go. Yeah. Strong choice. Thanks. Yeah. Um. I do think, I mean, the Amber thing felt a little, like, fast. Like, she's mm-hmm. just back, and, and it just yeah, points when to... You think somebody's dead, it gets emotional, and then when they're alive, you're like, let's get back together, you know? Being surprised your partner's alive is not a great foundation for a relationship. <laughs> <I'm just Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I keep faking my death with my wife, and mm-hmm. you're sort of running out of steam. Uh, yeah, you're doing great, <laughs> man. You're doing great. Yeah, I'm alive, uh, but don't tell Molly I told her I died. So I don't tell her. Oh, okay. All right. She I'm going to come back and really reignite so. the relationship. <laughs> no, 
Yeah. And that's a great way for to find out if I'm alive is listen to any of the podcasts. That we <laughs> I, if I had one request of season two when it comes to Amberk, I would say uh, no more back and forth. Like make a choice Whoa. in one one direction yeah. there for a while because so far we've had. Out of eight episodes, I think they've broken up two to three times and got back together two to three times. And I understand some relationships are like that. It's high school, man. Come on. Well, just dramatically is all I'm saying. Just from the dramatic TV perspective, I want to see make a choice because that will make any potential, if they're together for a while, that will make any potential breakup that much more impactful. And if they're apart for a while, it'll make it more should they get back together? And that'll make mm. that aspect more interesting. I will. Sure. They won't think. Exactly. If they're smart, they're listening and taking notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I really like the, uh, the return of Alan, the alien. Um, Knew you I thought would. that, I thought that was a fun, you, you know, love just, him. Well, it's fun the way that they connect and they're two strangers from different worlds. And, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice that they can sit in the moon and, mm-hmm. uh, and read each other's minds. I think that's fun. You should Malin. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Malin. Before we get there, though, because we should talk through all of the different cliffhangers, um, yeah. there's uh, one or two other people we should talk about. What is your take on Adam Eve going forward and where she ends up in this episode? I mean, she's the she gets sort of a downbeat, I feel like, in the end of this episode. Like, she's like, guys, I'm... I'm Adam Eve, and they're like, "So who cares?" <laughs> well, yeah, we get it. And, and she's it's like, like, "No, I'm the pink one." That was funny. Yeah, it was funny, but it was sort of a bummer for her. And then she's off in her her cabin. Um, her sort of, sweet tree fort, asshole. It's not a cabin. No, of course, it's a cabin in the tree, um, a tree cabin. And I do think that it feels like she's in on a lonely track, and I don't know where it that's seems going like to she's go. living her best life in Ewok Village. Get off her back, man. I would, but let me see. Let's meet the Ewoks. She. What if she starts dating Wicket? Would you ship? Um, <laughs> if, if, if Go ahead. Get, What's that hashtag? <laughs> it sounds a hard one. A lot of vowels. <laughs> a lot of vowels in there. Weave. Hashtag weave. Yeah. Weave in it. If Wicket. I don't know. We'll figure it out Evicet. by season two, I guess. Yeah, when this I, actually happens. Yes. I. Uh, I agree. I think we need to see something a little more with Adam Eve because like, like we would talk about the last couple of episodes, she's just been kind of coasting along being like, I'm happy the end. Yeah. And that's it. So I want to see a little more of her separate from Mark. What is going on with her life? Give her some obstacles that she needs to overcome. I think that'll be interesting. And maybe she ends up on the guardians of the globe. I think that would be interesting as well and give her more characters to work off of. And then the last one uh, before we get to the different cliffhangers is William, who is kind of thrown in there as well. What do you think his function is going forward in the series? Um, It is a little I mean, he has some sidekick energy for Mark here, uh, both in his personal life and uh, as a superhero. I think he could sort of be running interference for Mark um, when things start to get complicated uh, as he probably is going to Mark is going to rise to be the hero of the planet, uh, like taking the place of Omni-Man. Um, at least that's what maybe Cecil and other people want him to do. So then William is there to just get his homework and stuff. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, what else? What else? Yeah, he's I don't doing, know. He's doing, yeah. He's going to cover for Mark and uh, give him all the hot gas from high school and, uh, keep him in the loop. How things are going on the ground while he's living in the sky. 
Yeah, we'll see. Let's talk about the cliffhangers then. As Pete mentioned, he Mark ends up on the moon talking to Alan, and we have a bunch of flashes of things that have been left oh, dangling man. over the course of the what season. What a fun montage. Very fun montage. Uh, also, I'll mention I really liked before that there was the clothes burning off effect as Invincible mm. oh, flies yeah. into space. That was very cool. But they're chatting. Apparently, the Coalition of Planets is banding together to stop the Viltrumites they want his uh, Mark's help to take them down. He's kind of waffling about that. So that's one of the things we get. Viltrumites are coming for Earth and we get teases of some villains we're probably going to see in season two. Uh, also on Mars, the sequins are taking over. Oh, the Mauler twins are in jail, but they seem pretty happy about that. Doc Seismic, as we speculated a couple of podcasts back, is alive and ruling an underground kingdom of molten monsters. Titan is ruling the criminal underworld. Uh, there are, wait, I wrote down, oh, the age aliens, right? Whatever we're called. I don't remember the name of the race. They age uh, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are flaxons. coming from Nolan in particular, the Flaxons. There we go. Uh, and battle beasts. It's in space. Cecil has an army of uh, cyborgs. And the last bit is invincible says, I guess I'm going to finish high school, I guess. School. And then Alan says, sounds good. What is high school? Very funny. Last line. But of these cliffhangers here, these teases, what are you most looking forward to coming forward in season two? Mars. Uh, yeah, the Mars stuff is is good. I'm excited for that. And uh, that was crazy in the comics, so. And Battle Beast. I mean, that's um, a great rematch that we need to see Mark do better. Wait, wait, Alex, don't, I'm going to guess what yours is. High school. You can't wait for <laughs> the high school stuff. What is, what is it like? I never went. Aw. Oh, that's right. You went from um, middle school to right to college. Yeah, right that's to right. Cornell. I was a. I had sort of like a whole Doogie Howser thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for not for being a doctor, for being a podcaster, TV <laughs> TV critic. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, no, I'm looking forward to the Viltrumites, honestly, because the place that we've left off here with Mark, uh, I keep mixing them up. Nolan absolutely murdering Mark. We kind of know what's coming down the pike from the comic books, but if you have three Viltrumites coming to Earth, what does that mean for Invincible? How is he actually going to stop them when they couldn't stop one of them, you know? Yeah. So that's going to be a big deal. There's also a potentially very dicey storyline coming that I, I don't want to necessarily say anything about, but I'm very curious to see whether it will get the same treatment. Robert Kirkman yes. has been very open about, hey, it's 20 years later and we've reevaluated certain things and we did something wrong initially. So with one of those Viltrumites, uh, things get a little uncomfortable, I would say, to say it generously. Oh, yeah. So I, I hope they do make some changes there in terms of the way that plays out, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I got to think they will. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is it for the first season of Invincible. Before we go, though, what was your... Oh, did you want to talk about some other moments? Just just yeah. overall, I thought the season as a whole was really, really just ironclad, really well done. Like um, the, when you're t- adapting a comic book so directly with uh, the original creators, it's often you fall into the thing of like, well, let's just do it. And But I feel like that this team really worked on it and made it so much better and added a lot to it. And this show is a show I've been recommending to people. A lot of like, you know, five, six-year-olds really tune in and watch mm-hmm. this. Oh, yeah. Who love cartoons. Who love cartoons and just like a fun Saturday morning light watch while you're having your favorite breakfast cereal. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but, but really just like recommending the show to people because it's so good. I, I, I got to say that like 
tight season. Like they really put in a lot of stuff. There wasn't a lot of access. Like it moves really well. I was really impressed with all uh, like each character had moments, but it didn't feel like it was like dangling on them or anything. I think they're really just like sticking to the material, moving through it, but making their own choices. I was really impressed at how great a package this was as a season from start to finish act. And you love a tight package, right, Pete? Uh, no, Justin does, but yeah, okay. uh, it's um, uh, you the, bring it up the bits, the bits in there too, the reoccurring bits, just fantastic. Whatever happened to the father son characters from the? I don't know. We got to pick up with them in season two. I, I agree with you guys. I thought this was great, and I really have been as well recommending to people all over the place. I think of the three of us, I started a little slowly on it at the beginning. I felt like, yeah, this is good, this is fine, but it just ramped up every single episode, not just in terms of the brutality, but the emotion and the humor and became something really fantastic by the end of the season. I also think uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier towards the top of the podcast, but I think this is a great companion piece to the boys, which has been an enormous hit because they hit that same sweet spot of not just comic boy source material and not just insane over the top ultra violence, but like I was saying, mixing the humor and the heart and the interesting characters and surprising storylines that in a similar way to the boys where that's poking at the idea of comic books and superheroes while still buying into a lot of those tropes. Invincible does the same thing. Uh, That's great. I'm very excited to see both of them going forward on the service. It's very cool. Yeah. Love the service. Uh, Love it. Love a good service. Before we wrap up here, what was your invincible moment from this episode? Um, I'll jump in and say, I really liked, and I thought it was, emotional and difficult to watch the montage um, after Mark wakes up uh, Mm. fighting um, his dad, we see all of his dad's words juxtaposed with both the positive things that he did for him as a father. And then the absolutely brutal devastating things we saw in this episode. I thought that was such a great way of like both showing these superhero characters in these different roles and and villains. And the way it is when you like have parents and you grow up and you're like, Wow, when I was a kid, my parents were like they were my heroes, and you're like, but they were also people and made mistakes. Um, you realize that as you as you grow up, and to see that juxtaposed to this or heightened to this superhero world was great. Pete, what uh, about you? I gotta say the helicopter uh, kind of sequence where they were kind of like the animation was like that helicopter blade going around that was like yeah, that's really... I think the same sequence Justin oh. just said, right? Am I wrong? Uh, um. I don't know. I don't remember a helicopter being involved. It's right uh, after Nolan leaves. They cut to Mark lying on the ground. The helicopter sort of still framed. Oh, I see. No, that 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 was this was later. This was after. I'm talking about sort of the the montage. Yes, and right right, because I agree with you, Pete. That was cool. It like the fact that it was like a a slideshow. Yeah, and you could see all the reactions, and especially in an animated show to jump to stills like that was was a strong, very powerful, cool choice that I, I really liked. And uh, that's why, I mean, if they can keep finding, like, artistic ways to kind of tell stories, uh, I think it's a great use of the animation. Uh, You know, there's just, it's just fun to see, especially when something you're used to material, when you get new stuff like that, it really adds a lot to it. So that was, that was my moment. But uh, overall, I've been really happy with this first season. 
I think for me, it's got to be the subway scene. That's the thing that's going to stick with me for a very, very long time. Riding the subway next time you're on there. That's a pretty typical day on the New York City subway. That's why it stuck with me. I was like, ah, it's been a while because of coronavirus. Don't really regularly ride the subway. I miss that. You know, when somebody slams through the train and just rips us all to shreds. That's why you always say you hear people on the subway saying, watch out for the face coming through the subway. (laughs) Away from the kid face. Yeah. That's how I pick up most of my loose arms, to be honest with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and again, thank you for recycling those arms. Anytime. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night, <laughs> oh. 7 p.m. to Crowdcast at YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about Invincible. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Of course, we will be back for season two of Invincible whenever it hits. In the meantime, we've got plenty of other podcasts to check it out. For Kirk Mania, this is Alex. Yeah! <laughs> this is Justin. Wow. Pete gets the win. Pete, well, Pete and his girlfriend and his cat. Again, yeah. all on equal footing. <laughs>